Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 103 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I'm really excited about today's podcast episode. I am going to be interviewing a previous podcast guest, Elena, for the second time. Previously, Elena was on the podcast to discuss her hospital birth. So she had her first baby in the hospital. She did want to have a natural birth, but she decided that the hospital was the best place to go for her first. We had a great discussion about that, about whether or not that's really the case, and how to bring home to the hospital as much as possible if you do decide that that's what you want to do. But Elena's back today because she had her second birth, first home birth. So we'll be discussing that whole process with her. I'm also very fond of Elena because she happens to be a founding member of the Happy Home Birth Academy. So Elena went through my childbirth education program specifically for home birth mothers before it was in its current state. This was when I was testing out all the ideas, trying to figure out the exact curriculum. So Elena is a champ for going through that and I'm so excited for her to be able to share how that influenced her journey. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's jump into Elena's story. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Elena, thank you so much for coming back on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back. I'm so happy to have you. It's fun. So for those of you who haven't heard the first episode, Elena's first saga, it is episode 46, right? (laughs) Let me just check and make sure. I think I just said 46. Yep. Episode 46 is all about should you have a hospital birth for your first birth? And you decided to have a hospital birth for your first birth. And we won't spoil the entire episode, but I'd love for you to just, as you kind of take a moment to introduce or reintroduce yourself to the listeners, um, we can just kind of dive into a little bit about that hospital experience and then why you chose to change it up this time. Definitely. Yeah. So I just had a baby um, almost five months ago um, and uh, it was a home birth. Uh, as you said, my firstborn, who just turned four, was a hospital birth. And I did decide to have a hospital birth in the beginning uh, simply because I wasn't well-educated about the possibility of a home birth. And it seemed like a really like safe option, you know, mainstream safe option. So, um, but despite that, I really wanted it to be a natural birth. And so as, um, as uh, you alluded to in the episode 46, I did mention some of the ways that you could have a natural birth uh, if you decide to go with the hospital, if you're too scared to have a home birth. And I basically um, just kind of outlined the best way to do that and so, like lessons learned from that mm-hmm. experience. So, uh, but having had that experience, I definitely uh, decided that my next birth had to be different, uh, better, 
and I was searching for a way to make it better. And I came across the possibility of home birth. And that's when I kind of just dived in and started researching. I started talking to as many people as I could uh, that had an experience um, giving, uh, having a home birth. And so, you know, learn, learn, learn. And four years later, I uh, had my home birth that I was uh, dreaming about, um, which we can get into today. But uh, yeah, I, it was definitely a much different experience than, than um, my first experience at the hospital. That's amazing. And, you know, just thinking about the fact that, you know, we did this first interview a while back now. It's been, you know, a year probably. And so you were considering this well before you got pregnant with your second, correct? Like when did you start thinking about home birth and educating yourself? Was it immediately after having your first? That's a good question. Um, so actually I, it, deep down, I knew I wanted to be pregnant again and have another child, but immediately postpartum, I did not really logically did not want to actually did not want to have another kid for a really, really long time. And, um, I, I actually scared me to even think about having another child. So it took me a good three years to even consider the idea of getting pregnant again. So you're right. I started researching it, but, um, probably because deep down I knew I was going to be pregnant again in the future. Uh, I didn't know when that would be, but I was also a little bit obsessed with all things birth, <laughs> um, especially because I felt, because I had a nat- natural birth at the hospital. I felt so like, I don't know, like just proud mm-hmm. um, and like that I could even do that. And then everybody around me was saying, you should get the epidural, like you should get you know, a doctor. I had a midwife deliver my baby at the hospital. You should get a doctor, you know, and you should do this. You should do that. And it was very discouraging, but I was determined to prove them wrong. So when I actually accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, I felt really, really proud and became a little bit obsessed about everything birth. And so um, I was actually listening to, uh, I think, uh, the Weston A. Price podcast, and I heard you speak in one of the episodes, and it was so just, it touched home for me so much because I was thinking to myself, I need to find a better way to do this again if I decide to do this again. Um, And so I checked out your podcast, and I listened to the entire thing, like back to back, like (laughs) every episode that was there at the time, like, like I was at work, you know, working in an office. So I was just like listening to the entire day, I had my headphones in, just listening to every (laughs) single episode that was there. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, this is like amazing. And then everything that I had fear about, um, you talked about or a guest talked about. And so it really helped me to uh, learn a lot through your podcast. Honestly, that was like instrumental in my journey, um, uh, learning about home birth. And so that's, that's basically how it went. And I tried to, you know, educate myself ahead of time. And I was like, okay, more and more convinced now that this is the only way to go. And just, just knowing like, oh God, if I end up at that hospital again, I'm really going to hate it. And this time I'm going to have that anticipation, like how much I hate it. So it's going to ruin my experience (laughs) even more. 
<laughs> so it was like, no way, it's not happening. So um, yeah, so I learned through you and your podcast and your guests. And then um, I solidified the uh, idea. And funny thing is, I spoke only to my husband about the idea. Um, I did not speak to my friends about it. I didn't speak to my family members about it. Um, I didn't want anybody to spoil it for me. And I really just, I really just didn't know like how things would unfold if it really would happen. And I didn't want to jinx it almost for myself. So I really didn't tell a single soul. I did not even tell my mother until I birthed my second child <laughs> that I, that I decided to have it at home. Um, yeah, I know it's pretty crazy, but I just know that if I had told her, she probably would have like come unannounced and, um, interrupted. Yeah. yeah hey, experience. I, definitely understand that. Like, I feel like there are definitely two ways to go about it. Some people feel like, feel like if they share the people that surround them will accept it and be fine, or, you know, it'll go well, but it, just as many people are like, Nope, I am keeping this baby close to my chest. I am not telling yes. anyone until it happens. And I think there's a lot of validity in that, especially like you're saying, like, I just knew my mother would, that would stress her out. Like that would just be too much. I'm just going to keep it calm, keep it quiet until the baby's here and then I can share. Absolutely. And I like just told my husband, I'm like, if you tell a soul, I'm going to kill you. Like <laughs> it was bad. Like I was like, did you tell anyone? Did you tell anyone? And um, no, but the thing is too, I didn't tell anybody I was pregnant until I was almost five months pregnant. And oh, wow. I know. Um, yeah. It's you're again, a hider just trying to like protect myself as much as I could. <laughs> um, and then, you know, um, COVID happened. And so it was even more so I wanted to protect myself because there was these people around me that were kind of like giving me this negative stories about how crazy it is at the hospital and like mm -hmm. the media about how um, they don't allow um like spouses in the hospital, uh, like in New York, for example. And I was just, mm -hmm. I was becoming more and more fearful of a transfer for the wrong reasons, not because like, um, of an emergency, but more like just the experience of how much worse it would be at the hospital, even like, especially under the COVID environment. Right. So, yeah. And so that's even more why I didn't want to tell anybody. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and so I was just trying to protect myself. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, it, it totally makes sense. And like I said, I feel like a lot of people are in that same boat and I will say, I do think that's why community with like-minded mothers is so important. Like if you can find that, for example, if those of you who are listening are like, Oh, I'm in the same boat. I feel that way. I just don't want to tell the people around me happy home birth. We have a Facebook group you're welcome to come in there and find connection with other moms making the same decisions who are not going to look at you wonky. Like we all get it. We're all there. So that's, that's great that you mentioned that. I think community is so important. Yes. I 100% agree with you. And actually the, I think the group got started either right after my mm -hmm. um, delivery date, I think, or like right I before. So. so it was, it was great um, to, to see that that and how much it's grown because I'm in that group now. Um, yeah, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the best place to test out all your ideas and like mention your fears and just learn from mm -hmm. each other. So I, I really appreciate that you did that. And oh. and I think that yeah. your um, 
your course, the, the home birth course mm -hmm. that you put together was really informative and comprehensive in its coverage of everything home birth, postpartum, even breastfeeding, prenatal care. You know, it, it's amazing because anybody who's thinking about um, a home birth, I don't think it's very easy to find information mm -hmm. that supports the home birth and, and truthfully um, portrays how safe it is and how beneficial it is and how just amazing it is unless you really dig for the information. So right. the fact that you put together this course is all in one and it's, it was really amazing. I actually did your course before um, I uh, delivered my second baby. Yeah, that was so fun. And yeah, Elena was actually in the founding members course. So she, she got to be the guinea pig. Like <laughs> Elena is a, she's a founder. She's OG. So, um, yeah, I, I thank you so much for, for saying that. I really, I felt the exact same way that they're just, there's no easy way to get the information that for the childbirth education information that's geared towards home birth moms. And so being able to provide the actual, like these are the stages of labor. This is what happens during physiological birth, but from the home birth lens, I just felt like that was really important. Even just when it comes to the verbiage we use when we're talking about our birth, if you constantly hear a childbirth educator saying like, and now when you get to the hospital, when you get to the hospital, when you get to the hospital, like that's not great for home birth moms. So even just being able to change this to like, and while you're at home, you know, it, I just felt like that was really important. So thank you for bringing that up. And it was such a blast to have you in the founders group, especially you have such an amazing understanding and understanding and comprehension of um, traditional foods and nourishing foods. And it was just, you were such a, a great person to have in that founding group. Oh, thanks, Caitlin. I love being mm -hmm. a part of it. And I, I really, um, I really applaud you for uh, the hard work that you put into putting all of this together. Like it's a lot of work. And honestly, like I said, it's not just mainstream information. What I really enjoyed about it was that it was very like non-traditional information, but it just, it made so much sense and it, it's evidence backed and it's just just the truth. <laughs> really? Oh, oh so, man. I, well, yeah. I will do it all again for just one person saying that. So I will yes. do flips for things like that. <laughs> Thank <recommend>. you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love so, it. So part of my prenatal care, I, um, I took your course. I, um, and I try to educate myself as much as possible in preparation. And, um, when I was searching for my midwife, um, you actually, I think, pointed me in the right direction. I think, I think it was, I forgot the website that you mentioned to look on, but um, I can look that up later. But I basically messaged them and asked for recommendations of midwives in my area. And um, they came up with some, uh, the lady that, um, the administrative lady that uh, responded to me came up with some suggestions and I ended up interviewing some of them and um, I landed on Kim leaders and um, what was amazing about my um, prenatal care was that it was always in the comfort of my home mm -hmm. and it, she, so she actually was uh, 
renovating her office in the beginning of my pregnancy. So she preferred to do it at my house and I did not object. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was awesome because every single appointment, my daughter participated in it. Mm. And some of them, my husband participated in. So it helped uh, to have the opportunity for him to ask questions. And he actually felt pretty comfortable from the beginning. Um, I think because I just talk a lot and I tell him everything that I learn and it makes sense to him. But it was still nice to have the opportunity to ask her questions. So, and then my daughter, who uh, was like three at the time, she really enjoyed her presence too because she's warm and nice. And so she felt really comfortable around her. Um, and what was really awesome in comparison to my first pregnancy uh, or first pregnancy prenatal care was that I, I didn't have to like find a babysitter, you know, I didn't have to get in the car and take time off work and head like to the office and then back because, you know, you get really tired. <laughs> so um, right. life gets hectic. Yeah. Especially when you have another child. And so we scheduled the appointments at times that were convenient for me. Sometimes they were after five, sometimes they were during my lunch break. And um, anyways, it was just, it was amazing to just be so comfortable in my home. We would have tea and talk and it would be like an hour long appointment. And um, mm. it was just awesome. But I felt like, you know, I needed her for emotional support more than anything. Uh, since I did learn quite a bit beforehand. So I, whenever I had that like emotional need, I would just be like, hey, Kim, can we have an appointment in a couple of weeks? And mm -hmm. it was so nice because I didn't have that pressure that I had with like the, the um, OBGYN office that would right. basically like, oh, let's schedule the next like 10 or whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> and then I had to like call them and be uncomfortable about like canceling it. So I don't know. So I really liked that. She didn't pressure me. And I think she just understood like what I needed and what I didn't need. So it yeah. was very efficient. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, the efficiency, but then also that, as you mentioned, just the ability to connect emotionally with someone who understands what you're going through, who understands this process, you know, um, that, that is another benefit that I doubt many people get from their OB, you know, like how does that, how would that even work? So oh, that's, absolutely. that's incredible. You know, you can just like call this person up or text this person and they are going to respond to you and make time for you. Oh, 100%. And I had a few little situations where I had like a panic attack about something. And uh, I just texted her and I was like, Kim, I'm freaking out. Is this okay? And she'll be like, I'll call you in five minutes. <laughs> and she calls me and she's like, everything is fine. And like, it would be at an odd hour. Like, I think it was like eight o'clock at night or something like that. And mm -hmm. I felt so bad. <laughs> but she was like, oh no, totally fine. Like, you're fine. You don't need to worry. Calm down, breathe, you know, all this stuff. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like I would have never gotten this with prenatal care at the OBGYN. So yeah. Yeah. So you have quite a different prenatal experience and did you do anything else prenatally this time that you didn't do last time? I don't know if you, I can't remember if you said you did chiropractic or anything like that. 
Well, hey there, Mama. Let me interrupt myself and my guest, Elena, for just a moment to speak directly to you and share with you today's sponsor. Are you pregnant and planning a home birth? Well, you have got to get inside Happy Home Birth Academy. What's Happy Home Birth Academy? Oh, no biggie. It's just the premier childbirth education program created specifically for home birth mothers. It's only mm, exactly what you need to walk into your birthing time feeling confident, prepared, and at peace. Inside of HHA, we delve into the seven phases of preparation. Everything from preparing your mind, your coping techniques, preparing your partner, your food, for postpartum, and more. I've taken all of the guesswork out of what you need to know to give birth on your turf and with unshakable confidence at that. Childbirth education that is home birth specific. How exciting is that? Are you ready? Happy Home Birth Academy will be available to the public in a few short, short, short weeks. I cannot wait. Go ahead and join the waitlist and be sure not to miss out by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash waitlist. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, uh, that's another good question. I did so much more this time. Oh my goodness. I really like dived right into making my experience the best it could possibly be. I did a whole list, a whole host of things. Um, I did do chiropractic care on a regular basis. And I also implemented acupuncture care mm. into my prenatal care this time. And oh my God, was that, oh, that was like monumental because I have issues with like, sometimes I get like, I too, I worry too much sometimes. And, um, the car, the acupuncturist calmed me down so much every time. And, wow. and, you know, I was about seven months pregnant when, uh, the coronavirus hit and I was never really nervous about the virus, but I was nervous about what was happening in the world and the economy and just like the ripple effect of it. And it gave me quite a bit of anxiety. So when I went to my acupuncturist and, you know, I voiced all this, like he really took care of me and like, just, it just made me feel so much better. And it lasted for days after, um, sometimes weeks after. So I think wow. like it was so important for me to have that. And then, uh, in addition to that, I was also much better about my nutrition um, this time around. I was just a lot more intentional about it. Um, I really tried to follow the Weston A. Price recommendations, and and I really like I really tried. Like I normally eat like that, but I really tried to incorporate like more liver, more eggs, uh, like. I, I like to eat caviar because it's part of my um, mm -hmm. tradition. So I like eat more of that for the omega-3s and DHA. Where do you, how do you eat your caviar, by the way? Just curious. Oh my gosh. So my favorite way to do it is to eat it on a sourdough bread with um, a layer of cream cheese or avocado um, and then top it with caviar. That's my absolute favorite way. But if I want to just reduce a little bit of gluten, then I would just put it right into my eggs on top of my eggs mm -hmm. or I will put it on my yogurt 
believe it or not, oh, that saltiness uh, is so good. Like you just like mix it in and yum, yum. <laughs> interesting. I have not thought about the yogurt. I always would put it on my eggs. So I was like, oh, look, it's eggs on eggs. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember you saying that. It's delicious. And my, my daughter loves it so much. So that, I'm so oh, glad. gosh, but the sourdough bread sounds divine. That's amazing. So, so in the Russian culture, that is the way to eat it. You, w- what they did was they would put it like, well, any bread really, but I try to do sourdough bread. Um, you put like a good thick layer of butter and then you put mm-hmm. the, the caviar on top. But mm-hmm. I don't know why I prefer cream cheese. And I then mean, a cream layer cheese of caviar. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So either I one. Mean, that's the traditional way to eat it, believe it or not. So yeah, I believe it and I will take it and run with it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you've got your caviar, you've got your liver. What else were you doing? So I also, um, well, I eat more like bone broth based soups too. And then, um, just more veggies, but I will tell you my cravings for burgers were insane. And I do, I was like suspecting cause we did not find out the gender. I was suspecting maybe it's a boy cause like salty, savory type mm-hmm. of like craving. Oh man, I ate a lot of burgers and, um, (laughs) and that's why I I did gain a little more this time. Well, a lot more actually this time around than I did with my first, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But besides that, I also actually, um, I did the Glow Body PT uh, prenatal training, which I learned about thanks to your podcast. (laughs) She is the best. Ashley Keller at Glow Body PT. She is intense. She is. Uh, and I will be honest that I, some of the workouts, like I could, I had to modify, but mm-hmm. just the fact that she had it all like laid out and just, it was so easy now to think about what should I do? What's safe? What's going to hurt my back? And then I'm going to regret it <laughs> or what's like going to strengthen me. So I definitely did that um, as well. Um, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you've, yeah, you really prepared, like you just well-rounded were fully preparing for this. So I'm curious what it was like. I mean, we know COVID had hit by the time you were getting towards the end, but what was your mindset like as you were, um, kind of entering time to go into labor when you knew it would be, you know, the last few weeks? So I was, Do you mean because of the COVID environment? Well, yeah. And just everything, everything in general, like you, you kind of have this balance of like, wow, you're super prepared, but then Mm -hmm. COVID hits, like what did all of that kind of, how did it all play out in your mind and in your experience? Yeah. So I was super grateful that I had chosen to have a home birth early on because when COVID actually hit, I heard from my midwife that there was quite a few people that were interested in getting switching uh, over to a midwife um, model of care and a home birth. And because they're so limited, it's such a limited amount of midwives in our area, um, they couldn't accept them, especially like later on in their pregnancy. Right. Um, so because they just didn't feel like she said she didn't feel comfortable doing that because she wouldn't be able to learn enough about the patient to be able to help them have a successful home birth. And right. um, 
and just just capacity wise she didn't have you know she couldn't overcommit because then she had obligations to me right so mm-hmm. anyway i was very very grateful for the fact that i had decided that early now um because of the environment that it created of like anxiety and just uh, worry you know with the fact that i had acupuncture care chiropractic care and my midwife for emotional care for emotional uh, support i really didn't feel that worried about it like i i don't know like i wasn't scared about the virus i was more nervous about like needing to transfer to a hospital um and having to deal with the covid environment that scared me like just not having my husband near me or my loved one whoever or even my midwife because my, the midwife switches over to be a doula if if you like basically like a doula um mm-hmm if you have to transfer to support you and they wouldn't let you know anybody in so i was really scared Ugh. about that yeah that um, is yeah and so that's but, worrisome. but other than that honestly i i wasn't i wasn't that nervous and i felt really prepared like i felt mm-hmm. like i was like hitting the bullet points on every aspect of my preparation physically mentally educationally nutritionally so you know i just i felt really ready and really comfortable with the idea i never worried about it um like i said just the only thing is having to transfer not even because of an emergency because like right. that would be more like scary i was like oh no if an emergency happens i now know that it's not that bad like there are ways <laughs> to like save yourself and like you have time and like all these things and i'm like if it has to happen it will happen that's fine but i just don't want to do it during covid <laughs> yeah that gosh i can't tell you how just oh it just fills my heart to hear that you know just this idea of I was hitting all of the bullet points. I felt so confident that I was not worried when I walked into my birthing time. You know, that is huge. Think about, I think about the number of people that that can't say that, that, you know, want to be able to say that, but just don't, you know, they're, they're just like going through the mainstream traditional route and don't understand that it's possible to have such an empowered experience and to really be the one in control of your situation. And you just, you just were that to a T, like you totally mastered that. I feel like it's, you really have to work for it. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. it's, you can't just um, decide. I mean, you can decide to have it and then all, everything will fall into place, but you can't just say, oh, I hope it will be this way or that way without putting the work into it. I feel like that's really important. And for me, it made a huge difference. And um, the only thing I can tell you that I was worried about is um, mental, like, uh, how do I explain this? So like, you know how sometimes uh, deep psychological thoughts can um, alter your labor in a Mm -hmm. way? Or like the only thing I was nervous about is, It was just such an ugly time in the beginning of coronavirus. And I was like, wow, I have to birth another baby. Not not I have to. I'm going to birth another baby into this awful world in a way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so depressing. And I wish this didn't happen right now. But I was afraid of my own thoughts getting in the way of my progression. And it will be so interesting for you to hear um, how I do feel like that did have some sort of effect on my oh, labor. Oh, 
Well, let's start with that labor story. I really want to hear how this all played out. So what was it like for you this time? Like how far along were you when you started experiencing um, labor symptoms and what did that all look like? Okay. So um, I was due um, May 25th and um, I, what I thought was labor, went into labor on May 8th. Uh, it was very, um, I, woke, I woke up, I think, 3 a.m., and I felt these very weak contractions, and I was like, oh, well, this is good, because May 9th is my husband's birthday, and oh. he <laughs> was saying how, I know you're going to give birth on my birthday, <laughs> like, I know, that's it, it's going to happen, and then I'm going to have to share my birthday with this next child, and every birthday is going to be filled with kids, and I was like, just relax. Okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, great. May 8th. And, um, I remember I had just finished my work day. Actually, I had worked through these like minor contractions all day long, but they were about 15 minutes apart to 30 minutes apart at times. And, um, and I had finished my work day. Like I was working from home and I was just you know, did what I needed to do. I had a major report due. So I finalized that uh, report. Um, and at, after work, I noticed that my contractions kind of fizzled out. So I contacted my midwife and I said, what's going on? You know, this isn't like typical for me. Um, I usually progress like with the first one I did at least. And she said, well, it sounds like perdermal labor. And indeed it was, which was really mm -hmm. frustrating because she said, relax and ignore it. And, uh, you know, it's really impossible to do that. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Like you feel these like contractions and you can't quite like relax. Right. So they did fizzle out. Um, but then I had trouble like sleeping because I was so confused about it. And I was like, what is this? And, and she was saying, my midwife was saying to me that, you know, there's a new moon in a couple of weeks and I have a feeling that that's when you'll have your baby probably, or it could be, that's when you have your baby. And I said, mm -hmm. Oh no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I can't, I can't be pregnant for that long. And, um, and she says to me, well, sometimes second time moms, third time moms, fourth time moms, moms have this sort of dermal labor that they do to them to their bodies and um you know it could happen and it could even last for two weeks and I was like oh no 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 that's not gonna happen and in my head I was like determined that that's not gonna happen I'm like I'm not letting this happen I'm gonna do whatever I can naturally to make this <laughs> progress and there's absolutely no way so uh, you know, I had a little bit of anxiety about the possibility that I would have to deal with that again and again, because it was really just frustrating. Right. Um, I couldn't rest. Like, I, I lay down, but I couldn't really rest. So um, at 3 a.m. on May 9th, they came back. And I was like, oh, no, again. You know, they started off exactly the same way. So I contacted my midwife again, and I was like, hey, you know, um, it's happening again, but at the same time, I am emptying my bowels. So maybe something else is shifting. And she says right. to me, okay, well, let me come by and just check you and, you know, see where you're at. 
So she comes by around 4 a.m. She checks me and she cannot find my cervix. <laughs> well, when I uh, say that, it's like maybe it was a little bit towards the back, she said, and mm -hmm. she couldn't really locate it. And it was so uncomfortable for her to be there checking that um, I was like, okay, that's fine. Just, you know, <laughs> don't, don't look for it anymore. Uh, perhaps that just means <laughs> that I'm not really opening up yet. And um, maybe this is prodromal labor after all. All right. So that was at 4 a.m. And she says to me, okay, why don't you go take an Epsom salt bath and try to like relax again. And I'm going to head back. And if anything changes, you can always call me. I'll be happy to come back. And so now this is Saturday, May 9th, my husband's birthday. He wakes up and this happens. And I'm like, okay, why don't you just go back to sleep? I'm going to take a bath and just, you know, try to relax. So he goes back to sleep. She leaves. I take my bath. And I'm in there and I'm like, I swear to God, something is different this time because now they're like, I'm timing them, but not consistently because she kind of like alluded to the idea that it probably isn't the real deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, I kind of like went with that and I was like, okay, she said it's not, you know, she knows. So probably it's not. So I'm like, but something feels different. Like it's just, it's, they're like stronger and they're closer together. So I text her again at six o'clock in the morning. And I said, Kim, like something is really changing. I think they're more intense. I'm timing them. They're every four minutes, three minutes. And she says, okay, I'm heading right back. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he's still sleeping. My husband's still sleeping. My daughter wakes up. <laughs> it's like almost seven now. And she comes to me and she's like, hey, you taking a bath? I want to take a bath. And I'm like, no, I'm getting out. Uh, like, I can't deal with this right now. Like, I, I would give you a bath. I would play with you in here, but I can't. I just can't right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I get out. I go to the bed while I wait for her. It took about 20 minutes for her to arrive. And I'm like so uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, wow. I just cannot find a comfortable spot. And laying down seems even worse. So she arrives and she checks me again and she's like, comes out. Well, when she's done, she's like, well, um, we're having a baby today. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? And she says, you're about seven or eight centimeters. And I was like, wow. Okay. So it took me like three to four hours to get you know, that, that far, which was really good. I felt like that was really good. So she's like, you know, um, we should probably get that birth pool set up now. And, um, and is Nick awake, my husband? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, I, I can't really like just get across the house to go wake him up. Like I, I really, I'm really concentrating. I'm really trying to get through them, but I'm not um, verbalizing them yet just breathing right. through and sitting on my birth ball and so um she's like I'm gonna go wake him up okay and I was like yes please so she wakes up Nick and he gets up and he's like what's going on what's going on what's happening he's like well um she's 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 close and you should probably go fill up the birth tub uh birth pool and so he's like okay <laughs> he like scrambled uh to get up and all this stuff and he's like what happened like i just felt like closed my eyes for a second <laughs> and I was like, oh not much just i labored by myself thank you um <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so he, he's busy with the pool. And um, one interesting factor is, as I mentioned, we didn't um, find out the gender this time. And uh, one interesting fact is that this was um, May, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we had um, snow in the forecast for this day. Now, typically, oh, wow. yes, really bizarre. I, I live in Massachusetts, so really bizarre. I mean, New England is crazy, but I, that <laughs> was a record, like, that was a rec- like history-making um, uh, event. And, and it actually snowed, like, for Gosh, a little bit. And that's usually crazy. we're, like, getting ready to go to the beach. But, you know, it's <laughs> so nice out usually this time of year. But here, like this day is like it's sunny but it was like snowing outside so bizarre anyways um so um so here's the interesting part I really thought that the baby was gonna come shortly after that maybe within an hour or two since I did like progress so well um and so quickly but um it didn't happen so um I was laboring all over the house I feel like by around eight o'clock or eight thirty in the morning I had reached like the point where you feel transition almost mm-hmm. like um you just can't do it anymore every like no matter what you do it hurts or it you're not comfortable it's like hard to get through mm-hmm. it so um I got really um thrown back on the fact that uh, nothing was moving beyond that point. Like it was as if I was in transition for a really long time because that ended up dragging that feeling and that state ended up dragging um, for several more hours. I think oh. it was, yeah, I think it was an additional, um, it was, it, it dragged for another three hours like that. Um, no, four hours, four hours more of that four or five hours more of that. And it was almost like I was stuck in transition. I was getting really like tired, but I didn't feel like I couldn't, like absolutely couldn't handle it or anything. Like I was just like, it it was really hard to just get through it. Before that point, I was like, this is okay. I can do this. I can do this. But then I reached this point. It was like really hard to get through. And that Mm -hmm. lasted for four hours. And I was like, what is going on? So I had my midwife check me again and she said to me um looks like you have a cervical lip that's kind of mm. in the way so um you know you can just try to um labor in new positions and new ways and lift your leg up and and give it like a little tiny push and i was like well i don't really have the urge to push and i don't know how like i don't know how i thought i would know how but i didn't i don't i don't know what to do <laughs> and so um she said, okay, well, whenever you feel like you need me to, I can help you out by um, sort of moving the cervical lip out of the way through a contraction. Right. And um, so at one point I was in the birth pool and we tried it and it was so excruciating um, when, when we tried to do that. Um, but I think because we did that, things started moving um, a little bit afterwards because I hadn't resorted to her help 
until four hours later. And so I was like mm. getting tired. I was like, I was really getting tired and I was getting confused and I was getting kind of like almost fearful because I felt like, what's going on? I'm already at 10 centimeters for a while. Like I should be pushing already. I should have a baby in my arms at, at this point. Yet here mm. I am suffering. And like, I almost feel like I just can't get through this anymore. At one point, um, because I was just tired. I, I was tired because the day before I had woke up at 3 a.m. I had a ver very rough day with the, with the pradermal labor and then I couldn't sleep. So I finally fell asleep maybe at midnight and then I woke up again the following day at 3 a.m. So I had very little rest. Right. And um, so I was just getting really, really um, tired. So after she did that a few times, I got really hot, like, in the in the tub like I felt like the water temperature was no longer comfortable for me at all and um, I suddenly decided to get out and I don't know why I had this urge to get out so suddenly because I wasn't I was moving slow and I was kind of like just you know trying to be like very internal and um, and all of a sudden I had this like little burst of energy and I was like, I'm going to get out. I don't feel comfortable in here. So I get out and I get into a squat <laughs> mm. and I started pushing and I was like, <laughs> wow, like this is okay. Now I kind of feel like there's pressure there and like I, I can, I know how to push, I think. So I start pushing and um, it was out of the tub, which I really wanted a uh, birth like a water birth really really mm -hmm. wanted that um but my body like even like the people around me because we ordered i mean ordered we uh, hired um a photographer to come out mm -hmm. and um she even mentioned to me she's like you look really red like like are you hot mm -hmm. and i was like yeah um, i feel really hot in here and i asked about the water temperature but they said it was fine and like mm -hmm. normal all of a sudden it just became uncomfortable to me. So I needed to get out. And when I did, um, I went into a squat automatically. So I started pushing and my midwife took my hands in front of me and mm -hmm. kind of like supported me that way. And then my husband was behind me and he was kind of like holding me up a little bit. So I don't, you know, fall like, or mm -hmm. sit down basically. So um, I think I gave like three or four pushes total and the baby was born. So it was almost, I think it was a fetal ejection because I couldn't mm -hmm. stop the pushing. It was very, it, it was an insane amount of pressure. Yeah. Um, a lot more than my daughter uh, felt when I was giving birth to her. And I felt a really like intense ring of fire which I didn't feel with her either um so I was like wow this was really different and um <laughs> but what was good is that uh I in between pushes I really just relaxed I was like very I don't know it was so interesting because I looked at the video afterwards because I I put up like a tripod and like videotaped um the birth and the labor. Awesome. And I reviewed it and I was like, in my head, I thought it was really aggressive. But mm -hmm. in reality, I was looking at it and I was like, yeah, I was pushing hard. But whenever the contraction stopped, 
I was like so chill and I was just like sitting there waiting for the next one. Like it was like wow. relaxation of some kind. Like I, I was like, just like having a conversation. I'm like, so <laughs> like there's a, there's a head coming out. Oh, <laughs> by the way, um, I did not like, I did not mention this. This is really important. And the reason why I think it was like so confusing to me is that I didn't have any bloody show. And even mm. when she checked me, I didn't have bloody show. So she was like, oh, well, I don't know. Like maybe this is prodromal labor again and not the real deal. And then my water didn't break until right before his, oh, I gave it away. His head came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were very excited because, um, because we, we were hoping for a boy. And mm. it was just, I remember when he was born, um, it was just such a like, cheerful excitement and like applause yay it's a boy so yeah um but it was so interesting because I felt like I was aggressive in my pushing um but actually in reality I really took my time and um I'm so glad I did because he was born with his hand by his face yes oh when they do that oh when they do that (laughs) and that explains the ring of fire Mm-hmm. Which I felt it, later. Well, it explains, yeah, it explains a lot about, you know, the, your cervix being hard to find because it was further up because there's more right there. Like, yeah, yep. that explains the, the lip. Oh, exactly. I think he was stuck in there for a little while. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, like right till the end, he had his head. I mean, even after he was born, his hand was right by his face. Like he just wouldn't That's move it. He must have been like that in utero as well. And oh man, I just felt like it was so much harder to birth him than my daughter because he had that hand by his face. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, and um, and uh, I did not tear, which was miraculous. Oh, yeah, that is amazing. I did have a. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, but I, I'd like to hear what you say. But I, I do feel like it's so neat to hear how your body just told you what to do. Like, even just the idea that like you were getting these hormones that are saying like, oh, you're hot. Like, oh, you need to get out. You need to get out. You need to get out. And so you get out of the pool and then you know immediately I've got to get into a squat. And that's how that baby needed to be born. Like it, it felt intense because a squatting position is an intense position. You know, there's, that's providing all kinds of additional pressure, which is what you needed to get a baby's head and hand out at that time. Absolutely. And um, what was also interesting on that note is that there was a specific position where I, if I had raised, I think it was my right leg, like if I, if I, in the tub, if I sat on my knees, right. And then raised my, like, sort of like, um, kind of like a mini squad with just my right leg. That was mm-hmm. so like much more Captain Morgan. Yeah, that was so much more painful during like mm-hmm. during the contractions. And I mentioned that to the midwives and I said, how come? And they said, probably that's the position you need to be in because uh, because that that probably is like helping the baby move along much better. Um, so see if you can do that for a few more contractions. And I had done that right before I decided that I needed to get out and my body told me go into a squat. <laughs> so it's so true that you just do it. You don't, you don't think about it. You just do it. 
So one other thing that I didn't mention was that um, my midwife gave me a dose of homeopathic gelsimium. And I had used homeopathy in my prenatal care as well. I had started learning about homeopathy four years ago. And so I really think that it helped me um, progress to uh, the pushing stage because homeopathy is so powerful. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think it's exactly what I needed. Uh, perhaps I was getting a little too in my head and getting too worried about the fact that I had uh, no baby in my arms still. And I was like at transition for a while. So I think it, it's what I needed. Um, but uh, yeah. And, uh, and so after the baby came, um, I, uh, I was, I was just kind of like um, holding him and uh, trying to see if he would do the breast crawl. And uh, he did, which was oh, awesome. That was amazing. Uh, yes. Yes. And then uh, I think only about 15 minutes later, the placenta was born, which was awesome because I was hoping that it wasn't going to take too long and I wouldn't need any intervention to get it out um, or to birth right. it. So that was really awesome that, um, that it came on its own. Oh, and the other thing is um, I only had a small labial tear, um, mm -hmm. but I didn't tear uh, like in the perineum. And That's great. Yeah, it was, it was a goal of mine. It really was. And, um, and also I asked my midwife, you know, would you, how would you assess the blood loss? And she said, you have like minimal blood loss. Like I, this is, this is very, very, very minimal, which was very nice to hear as well. But Do you feel like you did anything prenatally to help with that? Like, did you, were you working on, on trying to prevent that in any way? The blood loss. Mm -hmm. Like, did you, did you do any pregnancy tea or anything like that? Oh yes, I actually did. I, I did do the red raspberry leaf tea. Um, and it's funny, I totally forgot about that because um, my midwife had asked me to stop uh, drinking it because mm -hmm. she thought it was causing my prodromal labor because mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive and all around. So um, yes, I actually did drink that starting, um, I think, in the second uh, trimester and all the way till the end. So perhaps it did play a major role um, in that. And also, you know, just, just, you know, I did just, I think the nutrition, I think it just really affected the um, integrity of like the tissues and all I, that. I agree. I think so too. That's amazing. I think so. Yeah. I, I think it, ha I ha it was the nutrition that really played a big role, I think. Um, mm. And also I remember at the hospital when I was birthing the placenta, she kind of tugged on it. I remember that. Mm. Um, and perhaps uh, that's why I lost a bit more blood during my hospital birth versus uh, my home birth where right. the, the midwife didn't really intervene in any way. She was just kind of like, oh, I think, you know, you can try to give a little push and I think I see it. And so I did and I came right out. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that could have been it too. Um, but mm -hmm. yes, I did take, I did take, um, I did drink uh, red raspberry leaf tea, but I don't Yeah, recall. I feel like that, the, 
like the the Nora tea where it's like nettles, oat straw, red raspberry, and alfalfa seems to be really helpful. But I think a lot of the reason is because there's, you know, those herbs have a good amount of calcium actually. And calcium is one of the things, if you've got quality calcium, that's a great way to prevent postpartum hemorrhaging. Um, so I'm sure that your diet as a whole just was really full of quality calcium too. So that, that totally checks out. That's awesome. Very possible because I did drink um, some raw milk throughout. Um, Go girl. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I made like uh, homemade raw uh, milk, raw cow's milk, yogurt that I would eat. And so I that's made what I'm various. doing this afternoon. Just so we're <laughs> that's my plan this afternoon. I just, before we started interviewing, I just got back from the store with my raw milk and I'm about to go awesome. make my raw yogurt after that. <laughs> awesome. It's so easy and it just tastes so good. And mm -hmm. oh, I love it. So, you know, and I eat like, like raw cheeses too. So, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, that nutritional component. I agree. And speaking about nettle, um, I did drink nettle tea as well. And mm. that's because I heard that it's high in iron and I really, I'm kind of like chronically low in iron. So despite the fact that, you know, I do eat the liver, I think it's like a genetic thing. Um, that's right. what my functional medicine doctor told me that it, it could just be that I need a lot more than others and, you know, absorbing it is not as easy for me. So, um, so I really did not want to have like low iron during pregnancy. So one of the things yeah. in addition to liver that I did was to drink that nettle, nettle leaf tea, stinging nettle leaf tea. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> well, so, okay. Your baby is born. You, he does the breast crawl. I'd love to hear what your extended postpartum has been like after this, you know, it's been five months now. So what has this been like compared to your first? Yeah, it's been uh, night and day different. Um, so I, so actually, I know you want to talk about the extended postpartum, but can I just mention the immediate after too? Please. So, so it was so awesome to just be able to go to your bed <laughs> and just mm -hmm. relax and sleep. I, it was just so awesome to like, not have to like uh, have people come into your room and like check your vitals and like all this stuff and it was my husband's birthday and so you know I just it was so nice to just be cozy in bed and comfortable and the midwives like helped to clean everything up they fed me and um, then my daughter Emma ate all my eggs <laughs> that they made Us for toddlers me. will do <laughs> So they had to make some more. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we, we cheers to uh, the, the birth. Like we popped a bottle of champagne, all of us, and, and we did that. Yeah, and then we tried to like burn the, um, the cord. Uh -huh. uh, it, so have like a little ceremony to do that. We didn't actually wait for it to like burn all the way, which takes about, I think, 30 minutes or forever About yeah forever. <laughs> and I was already really tired and I really wanted to do it and like my husband thought that it was like super weird and that I was a witch and that um yeah he was like I don't want to burn my baby and I was like I'm not gonna burn my baby I'm just burning the cord <laughs> that's so funny 
but in the end when he did it it was really sweet and like Mm -hmm. it was really nice we took some pictures and so um, i love that ceremony i think it's it's so cool just because you can have everybody be involved instead of like just a quick snip which is fast and effective but that ability to be like okay all of the people that were here all of the people that took part in this like you get to help with that little separation ceremony that's really cool Exactly. Yeah. Everybody took a turn and, um, and they, you know, they, after that, which was a good, like hour and a half later, I think, um, uh, they, uh, the, my midwife, Kim took the baby and, um, evaluated the baby, listened to the baby, weighed the baby. Uh, actually my husband weighed the baby, but she assisted oh. him. Yes. And, um, so it was nice because like the baby was always on me, you know, compared mm-hmm. to the hospital experience where they take the baby away after, well, I asked them to take my daughter away after seven minutes and no sooner than that, because we wanted to keep the cord pulsating and mm-hmm. all that. And, um, so, but they did, but they still took, you know, they had to like do their thing and have their checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at home, you know, she was not rushing me at all. And I was like, do you want to weigh the baby? Like, I really want to see how much he weighs. And um, she's like, okay, if you're ready, you know. And so she she evaluated him. He did phenomenal. Like, he was like mm. a 9 out of 10 and 10 in most cases on the Apgar nice. score. Yeah, despite the fact that I feel like <laughs> he was a bit stubborn coming out. Um, <laughs> just like my husband. Um, stubborn Tauruses. Yeah, birthday buddies. (laughs) So I was like, oh, see, he's already stubborn. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so she did that. She did the evaluation. Everything was absolutely phenomenal. And um, and we went right back to relaxing. And um, that was our first night. Now, um, so sweet. (laughs) And so different. Um, and I slept so well. It was just, I was like, wow, you know, I thought I would have all this anxiety like I had with my first born where I was like, oh, you know, she's still there. Like, do I want to make sure she's breathing and all that, you know, you're so excited the first time. But this time I was like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. I'm going to take my four hours of sleep now, um, which, which was awesome because he slept for four hours. Um, oh, I love that first stretch. Yes. They sleep, they usually sleep like a good few hours the first, you know, like soon after Night. they're born. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's beautiful yes. stuff. <laughs> yes. So we, um, so it was awesome. But you know what else I made sure that I did this time around that I didn't do the first time around was uh, that I made sure that my um, postpartum experience was going to be very different. I, yes. I had, um, uh, read some books and I had, um, learned quite a bit about the importance of the first like two months or they say 40 days. Um, but I just compared sort of the things that I did the first time around uh, versus the second time around. And I was like, Oh no, 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 I cannot do that again. That was a big no, no. Um, you know, like got up pretty much right away. Um, and I, even though I took my placenta pills um, the first time around and I had a lot of energy from that, I still like feel like I did too much because I went to the store, I think on day five. Mm. Um, I went to the store on day five too. What? Oh, I, for no reason. For no reason. It, 
it was really, really ridiculous. We went to the pediatrician and on our way back, I'm like, we're out. This is great. Let's go to the grocery <laughs> store and do grocery shopping, which is like the worst yeah. idea ever. Because it takes a while to do that. And so, mm-hmm. um, but the thing is, I was ignoring my body. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I was just ignoring the fact that maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe my legs are a little weak still. Or maybe, you know, like like all these things, I just wasn't listening to it. And um, right. this time around, I did a lot of educating for myself and then for my husband. Because I knew that I could only really rely on him to take care of me. Uh, in the first two weeks. And that's all I wanted is just him because um, anybody else I'd have to train how to do things. He's kind of like already trained. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, and, 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 you know, I can be me (laughs) with Mm -hmm. him. Right. So I was like, listen, this time around, don't expect me to get up. Like, don't expect me to like do the laundry within the first two weeks. Like I'm please just do your best to like bring me whatever I need. And help me out. Like the faster I can heal, the faster I can get back, you know, into it and be healthy. Cause I remember that I experienced the baby blues with, um, with my firstborn about, I think on day three and I was crying just, just for no reason. I just felt like I just, I was so sad. I don't know. The hormones and it, it was really rough and I didn't have that this time around all I felt was this just pure bliss and I just had this like incredible obsession with my baby that I didn't have the first time and I don't know why but I was like I cannot leave his sight he's so gorgeous and I just can't stop holding him He's like, you're going to make him used to it. I'm like, it's okay. He's a baby. (laughs) He can get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was just incredible how I, how good I felt this time around and how much I like forced myself to stay in bed and not move. And I think this is so important because I did way too much the first time around and I ended up bleeding for like, like nine or 10 weeks, which was a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this time I barely bled. It was weird. Um, As soon as I like would be on my feet for more than like 30 minutes, the bleeding would pick up a little bit, but then I would be like, okay, backing back off now. It's time. Yep. Yeah. So like, but it would just be things like, you know, standing up for too long in the kitchen because I needed a break from laying down or something like that. Um, But I didn't do much. Like I really forced myself to do minimal things like get up to go pee or yeah like you know shower or change or whatever um for the most part I tried to stay put and that was really great but really hard for me personally it is hard I do things all the time I'm just go 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 all the time I like it that's how I am (laughs) but um yeah it was hard but I really appreciate that I did that and I'm really appreciative that he helped me accomplished that and did everything that I needed him to do uh, for me. The interesting part is I was so ravenous. Like it was insane. (laughs) He brought me some food. It was like two eggs, some spinach and like an avocado, like a fourth of an avocado. And I was like, this is great. I love it. It's so delicious, but I need you to make me another one. (laughs) It's It's way too small, (laughs) way too small. Like, uh, I need like three times as much food next time. And I felt bad. <laughs> I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God. 
he just like that's put so together funny this- i just remember that <laughs> I remember that exact feeling of like, oh, thank you so much for bringing this. I'm going to need you to turn around and get more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And he was getting so frustrated because our youngest was like, so her reaction to this whole thing. And by the way, she was there during my pushing. She was so happy and excited. Uh, She wasn't scared at all. Uh, Her and I watched some YouTube videos in preparation and Mm -hmm. she was so excited. I have pictures to prove it. And she's like smiling and looking at the baby and she's like, oh, I see the baby. It's coming out. Oh my God. She was so happy. But her way of showing jealousy was not like, she never like avoided us. She wanted to be around the baby. She was so excited. She like would pet him and everything. And I was very surprised about that. But then she became really clingy to my husband, like really oh. clingy. So anyway, um, he was losing his mind between <laughs> her and me. And I was like, oh, I'll have my tea now. And he's like, hold on. That must drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So it was fun. Um, and the weather was nice. That whole snowy day, like never happened as if it never happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was awesome. Um, we spent a good time, out- a good amount of time outside, inside, um, just bonding with baby, breastfeeding. I had a really, really hard time breastfeeding. Um, this I feel like is so, so common and, um, not discussed enough, but mm-hmm. we ended up um, we ended up diagnosing a tongue. Actually, it was a very minor tongue tie, but it was a um, lip tie and some um, those you know the ties on the side of the mouth. I forgot what they're called. Yeah, I don't ever. I'm gonna sound like an idiot, but it's either buck. I've heard people say buckle ties and yes. buccal ties. So I don't know yes. which one's technical. I've heard the buckle. So I remember okay. the dentist saying that. So she, she Go said, with buckle. yeah. So thank goodness we secured an appointment like within two weeks of his life because I was suffering so much. It was mm-hmm. like, he latched just fine, but he did not have a like deep latch. Mm-hmm. Very shallow and very just, oh man, my nipples are bleeding and I was just oh. Oh, so much pain. And, and, and here's another thing. So we released all of the ties and I was like, oh wow, it's already better, you know? And the next day after that, I got mastitis. You're my, kidding me. Two weeks into, oh. oh my God, it was the worst experience of my life. I had said to describe my birth that it was something I never want to do again. And it was so hard compared to the first one. The second ones are supposed to be easier, (laughs) but um, no, I was like, no, it was so much harder. And like, I do not want to do that again. But then I got mastitis and I was like, I would rather have a birth again, the kind of birth that I had with my son than have mastitis again, because let me tell you, it was horrendous, but also I, I cured it without antibiotics so that took a while and even my midwife kim said you know this this um looks like a very very um serious or like a more severe case than i've seen so um it was tough it was really tough to have to go through that especially two weeks in when you're very sleep deprived you have a newborn Mm -hmm. and and um 
and you have an oversupply and all this stuff. Mm. And so you're trying to regulate it. And it was really hard. Um, that is exhausting. It was really, really hard. I never felt so sick in my life. I had 103 fever and, um, and I, I just, everything ached. I couldn't lift my baby up. I couldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom. My husband had to carry what, me. What did you end up doing for it? Like, oh, what kinds good of question. Because I like want to tell every mom about Yeah, I, I know a lot of moms are thinking, okay, I'm going to need those remedies. <laughs> yes, 100%. So um, my doctor, my um, functional medicine doctor is very much in agreement with me about avoiding antibiotics, but she did prescribe them so that I uh, would have it as backup in case I was unsuccessful at trying to get rid of the infection. So mm-hmm. I, although I avoided them entirely, I would say, you know, have that uh, in the back of your mind as something you may need um, right. if things don't go away, because you don't want it to progress into uh, something more serious. But Right. It can definitely get very dangerous. Right. So, but keep in mind, like it took me a good seven days. So that's within the normal range. And I did have a pretty severe case because my like uh, clog was very large and red and inflamed. But some of the things I did, so I, um, ha- my midwife put together an herbal tincture uh, for me of um, phytolica. And um, so I did two drops of that. Um, actually, I did up to 10 drops at one point because she said, as long as your fever is still 103, take a higher dose. And I did that um, almost every hour at one point. Now, the way that homeopathy works, which is what this is, the phytolica, sorry, uh, the herbal mixture was actually actual herbs that I steeped and mm-hmm. placed on my breast, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a warm, sort of like a tea bag almost like. Um, like I put gotcha. it into a towel and I steep, like I steep that for 40 minutes, put it into a, uh, like a hand, like a hand towel or a face, face towel and put it on top of my breast to just kind of soak into my breast. That's right. another thing I did. Um, but the phytolica I took, which is a homeopathic remedy, um, it comes in liquid form and it also comes in a pill form. Um, so you can do either or. I think liquid is more potent. And you can make it yourself by putting one uh, pellet into a little jar and then succussing it um, 10 times, which is banging it like against your um, palm to like activate it. Wake it up. Wake it up and just (laughs) give all the energy into it. And then you take just a drop or you could take 10 drops or whatever. Um, But you do that pretty often. And then I also took um, belladonna because of the fever and also the symptoms that I had. So everybody has different symptoms. Mine were sort of like a red, throbbing, painful breast. Um, belladonna typically is taken for fever. I did not really care to lower my fever. It was very uncomfortable for me, but I knew that it was um, fighting the infection for me. So I didn't care to lower it. I, I took that particular remedy because it fit my symptoms. So mm-hmm. most most women who have mastitis will have similar symptoms. So that's another remedy I took. And then I took Arnica for the pain. Um, so those are the three homeopathic remedies that I took. In addition to that, I took, um, I took sunflower lectin, mm-hmm. the pills, um, which basically um, 
they thin out your milk uh, so that it the clog can come out easily. Mm -hmm. So that was important to take as well. Um, during um, mastitis, I think you take like up to four pills or something like that. You can even do more, I believe. But preventatively, if you're prone to it, which I, I was, I took one per day to prevent another clog. So that was huge as well. Um, massage and hand expression literally saved my life because mm. um, the breast pump couldn't do it for me. And when the baby nursed, which I tried to do every one to two hours as often as I could, um, because that's also an important part of getting through mastitis is to keep it moving, keep the milk mm -hmm. moving. Um, but the hand expression, like the, the, the breast pump just didn't get anything out. It was so weird. It was like my body would not activate let down on that breast for some mm -hmm. reason. So, um, but it was also very painful for me to do the hand expression. So I recruited my husband <laughs> mm -hmm. and that was amazing because you can't like intentionally like put like more pain on yourself but when it's another mm -hmm. person and you know he has stronger <laughs> hands like yeah. he really massaged it out like it really got it out like he saved oh, me that's great oh and then yeah uh, I know that, oh that's so hard like just so uncomfortable but sounds yeah. like that worked well so uncomfortable and so hard to do it to do it yourself properly because you're right. just like oh this hurts I don't want to do this you know and so um so he did it for me and I recommend the same for others. Ask your husband. <laughs> um, and then hot baths to warm up the area. Um, so I, it was a full-time job. I was doing this yeah. consistently every day. And then uh, I think day two, um, my fever went away on its own and things started to look better and I could get my strength back. But during the time I had a fever, you really do have to just, just, just lay low. Like I know it's uncomfortable and it's very tempting to take an ad, an Advil or a Tylenol to lower it. But, um, I felt like it was really doing a lot to fight the infection for me. And I never got mastitis ever again after that. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. That's, that's really helpful. Yeah. Well, as we, as we close up, I would love to just hear, you know, like how have, how have you guys been now five months out? How's everything going? Well, everything's going great. Um, baby is uh, growing and his name is Ethan and uh, he's the cutest Aww. little man. <laughs> uh, his sister is uh, awesome. She helps me so much. She just turned four and she is uh, really, I, I'm, I liked out with her because she's, um, she's amazing. She brings me diapers. She takes away the dirty Aww. diapers. She brings me clothes for him. Like I try to involve her, you know, so um, she's, she's awesome. She loves her little brother. I love hearing that. That's, that's so exciting. And I am just so thankful, Elena, that you were able to come on and share this new story, this new update of what's been going on with you. It was, it was such a great time having you on last time. And once again, did not let me down. This was such an impressive, exciting story. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. As always, wasn't that an amazing episode? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I have a few thoughts that are really coming to mind. The first one is this notion that, you know, we're not guaranteed 
that our second birth is going to be easier than our first. I know that very often that is the case. I know it was the case for me, but sometimes for whatever reason, there may be something in our second birth that is more difficult or challenging or just unexpected. And that is okay. We do not have guarantees for how birth will unfold, but what I love about Elena's story is that the fact that it was more difficult, it really didn't phase her. It, it really didn't frustrate her. She was still able to cope and manage and not even tear with a nuchal hand. That's two podcast episodes in a row, by the way, with a nuchal hand and no tearing. I don't know if you noticed that, but how amazing is it that Elena was prepared enough to handle that situation. So although we can never be completely in control of how our birthing situation unfolds, we are in control of what we do to prepare. And Elena most certainly prepared for everything that came her way. The second thing that I wanted to mention was just that loving connection, once again, that Elena had with her midwife. She was able to really process what was going on in her emotional world during her pregnancy with her midwife. I mean, how many of you have had an OB in the past? And I'd love to know how often did you call them and process your emotions with them? You know, was that line of communication open like that? I think that that is quite rare. And I think that that is what makes the midwifery model of care so attractive and so safe. This ability to process on the mental, physical, and emotional plane with our care provider. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. This past week, I forgot to mention, was my oldest birthday. She turned four, and actually one of my listeners reached out to me and wished her a happy birthday on her birthday because they happened to be listening to her birth story on that day. And they were like, oh my gosh, happy birthday, Janie. (laughs) So this community is amazing. Thank you guys for doing that. And I hope that you all have a wonderful week. I will see you back here next week. How many times can I say week (laughs) in just about 20 seconds? See you next week.